Redeeming love has been my theme and shall be till I die. The amazing thing is it's not going to stop there. That's going to be our theme even after we die this physical death. Uh, we're going we're gonna to look even at some of that even tonight. We call your attention tonight to the book of Romans chapter 8. The book of Romans chapter 8. Again, tonight we're going to look at three verses as we did this morning. And again, there is so much in there. Uh, we won't be able to cover it all, but uh, hopefully what the Lord has given us will be a help and a blessing to our lives and our walk for the Lord Jesus Christ. We're in the book of Romans chapter 8. We're going to pick up in verse number 9. Verse number 9 and we'll read down through verse number 11. Verse number 9, the Bible said, But ye are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit. If so be that the Spirit of God dwell in you. Now, if any man have not the Spirit of Christ, he is none of his. And if Christ be in you, the body is dead because of sin. But the Spirit is life because of righteousness. But if the Spirit of Him that raised up Jesus from the dead dwell in you, ye, He that raised up Christ from the dead shall also quicken your mortal bodies by His Spirit that dwelleth in you. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for the opportunity you've given us to be in the house of God together. Lord, we thank you that you afford us the opportunity to corporately look into the Word of God. Thank you that we can gather as a group and we can consider what you say in your Word. Lord, we thank you for the truths that we find in your Word. We thank you how that we not only find these truths, but we can find them applicable to our lives. And, and Lord, I pray that you would help us, that we would apply them to our lives, and that we would apply them to the walk that we walk on a daily basis. I pray that you'd have your will and way and do that that only you can do, and shine your light upon your word in the hearts of your people. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. As we look at this passage of Scripture, uh, we're going to notice some things uh, Paul is mentioning here, and in fact Paul is beginning to speak to us about the new birth. Uh, he's beginning to uh, look at this. Not the first time that he's looked at it, but he's looking at it at this point as to the new birth. And what I want to, uh, the, the thought that we want to look at this evening, the thought that we want to consider is do you belong to Christ? Do you belong to Christ? 
that would be a question that every person should ask themselves. Uh, the Bible tells us several times to examine ourselves. And that's what Paul once again is instructing us to do. And he's going to give us some things in this passage of Scripture, hopefully that will be a help and a blessing in our lives in looking at ourselves as to whether or not we belong to Christ. If you've been born again, you definitely belong to Him. But there are some things that become evident in our life when we do belong to Christ. And Paul's going to deal with those things. In fact, turn back a few pages in the book of Romans to chapter number 2. The Apostle Paul, as he is looking at this passage of Scripture we're considering tonight, understand that this is a spiritual circumcision. But look what, back at what he says in chapter number 2. He addresses the true circumcision by the Spirit in chapter number 2 and verse number 28 and verse number 29. The Bible said, For he is not a Jew which is one outwardly, neither is that circumcision which is outward in the flesh. But he is a Jew which is one inwardly, and circumcision is that of the heart in the spirit, and not in the letter whose praise is not of men but of God. Did you notice what Paul's saying there? He's mentioning in verse number 28, for he is not a Jew which is one outwardly. He's dealing with the fact that those that are the people of God, the Jews have long been considered God's people. Well, to genuinely be God's people, you must be born again. Even those that were Jews in the flesh but did not know God in His saving grace were not a Jew as far as they were a national Jew, but they were not a spiritual Jew. And that's what, God, what Paul's dealing with here. He says in verse number 29, But he is a Jew which is one inwardly. And circumcision is that of the heart, in the spirit, and not in the letter, whose praise is not of men, but of God. Back over in chapter number 8, in the verses that we're looking at, Paul goes on to farther explain what he began and what he was talking about even there in chapter number 2. The true circumcision is the circumcision of the Spirit. The Spirit of God pierces the heart and opens it up just as the physical circumcision did with those that were Israelites. The physical cutting away of that organ symbolized a setting apart for God. The true circumcision, which is spiritual, is what took place in our lives the day that we were born again. The Spirit of God, and here's what we've got to understand, the Spirit of God took the Word of God, which is the sword of the Spirit, 
took the Word of God and pierced our hearts. What does the Bible say? The Word of God is powerful. It's sharper than a two-edged sword. Able to pierce even to the dividing asunder. God used His Word. The Holy Spirit of God took the Word of God and pierced the heart, setting us apart unto God and imparting eternal life to us. The spiritual circumcision that Paul's dealing with. Here in Romans chapter number 8 and verse number 9 through verse number 11, Paul is more descriptive and more definitive about what exactly took place in our new birth. He mentions several things here, and we're going to walk down through this passage of Scripture, but in light of what Paul's dealing with, in justification we are given, and, and there's no wonder that, uh, that all of this ties together, but consider even what we talked about this morning, even what we dealt with the last three Sunday mornings on the matter of reconciliation. Justification is that we are given a new standing before God. That's reconciliation. Reconciliation was brought about which produced justification. We were justified which made us reconciled. All of that went hand in hand when we were born again. God declared us righteous in the Lord Jesus Christ. And in doing so, it changed our inward man, but it didn't God God wasn't cutting away the outward man. The outward man died. We we carry that dead man with us everywhere we go. And you'll understand more of what I'm trying to say as we get down through this. It transformed our identity and our standing before God. But what changed the outward man was not justification, but it was regeneration. Justification was the matter which gave us a right standing before God. Placed us in the Lord Jesus Christ. But it was that regeneration, that part where the Bible tells us that we are made a new man. In the Lord Jesus Christ. We became new. That regeneration enacted a new birth that affects the way we live on a daily basis. Justification changed our inside. Regeneration is what changed our outside. What made a difference in our outside. In these verses that we're going to look at, there are four distinct changes that took place the very moment that you were you and I were born again there are some changes that took place and I want to look at I want to look at these four things that changed in our life as a matter of our salvation first of all I want us to understand in verse number 9 I want us to understand we gained a new position we gained a new position. In verse number 9, the Bible said, But ye are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit. If so, be that the Spirit of God dwell in you. 
Now if any man have not the Spirit of Christ, he is none of his. First of all, when we consider the changes that took place, the things that were were an outward occurrence, something that shone on the outside was that you and I were given a new position which, which allowed something to be seen on the outside. The believer was given a new position. If we were to consider what happened, what, what we were previous to our being saved, in verses number 5 through verse number 8, we were all about the contrast between life of the unbeliever and the life of the believer. As an unbeliever, in verse number 5, we walked according to the flesh. As an unbeliever, in verse number 6, we set our minds on what? The flesh. In verse number 7, we were hostile toward God. In verse number 8, we could not please God. The old man was in a position where he walked according to the flesh, where his mind was set upon the flesh, where he was hostile toward God, and where he could not please God. But in verse number 9, there is a contrast. In verse number 9 it said, But ye are what? Not in the flesh, but in the Spirit. If so be that the Spirit of God dwell in you. Now if any man have not the Spirit of Christ, he is none of his. Paul writes here in verse number 9, he writes, But ye are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit. When he's saying you, when he says here, but ye, when he says ye, he's talking about every believer that is born again. Every believer that has been born again who has been saved by the grace of God is no longer in the flesh. It's not, it is not that, it is not that we have to bring ourselves out of the flesh. That happened on salvation. That, that old man died. It was put to death. Although you and I carry this flesh around with us, the old man died. And the, old, the new man was made alive. Note that Paul writes in the present tense. He said, Ye are not in the flesh. But ye are not in the flesh. He's writing in the present tense that now that you're born again, now that you're saved, you're not in the flesh. And as he does this, he's talking about and he's dealing with and he means we're not living in the realm of that flesh. What did we talk about? What did we mention that in verse number 5 we walked according to the flesh? In verse number 6 we set our minds on the flesh. In verse number 7 we were hostile toward God. In verse number 8 we could not please God. But there is a difference that took place. There's something happened when we got born again. And that is that we're not in the flesh, but we're in the Spirit. 
We're not in the realm of the flesh. We are not. And this is what Paul tries to drive home in so many different ways. We are not as the children of God. And we need to get a hold of this. We need to understand this. We are not in control or being controlled by this flesh. So many times people have made the statement, I couldn't help it. If you're born again, you could. If I'm born again, I could help it. Why? Because God has not given us a temptation that, he, that is, will overcome us, but He's given us a way of an escape. You look back at every time that we've sinned against God and there was an avenue of an escape. You look at David's life. When he looked over and he saw Bathsheba bathing on her rooftop, it was the second look in which he called her to come to be with him. If he would have looked away and just walked away from that, God gave him a way out. But David took the second look. How many times in our life have we given into and we've, we've allowed ourselves to do something that we should not do, but in doing so, we're not, it is not as if we don't have power to abstain from that. God gives us that power. We just do not avail that power. Understand when Paul's talking about that, he's talking about the realm of the flesh. We're not under the control of the flesh, but rather the believer is in the Spirit. This happened at the very moment you and I were saved by the grace of God. We were taken out of the flesh and placed in the Spirit. And we're going we're gonna to delve into that just a little bit more as we go down through here. That word where he's talking about, that phrase where he's talking about in the Spirit, to be in the Spirit means that you're living in a whole new realm than what you were living in. It's almost like this. And I know, I, I want to I give you this illustration as a contrast. It's almost as if you were to take a fish and take him out of the water and place him in the sky to fly with the birds. There is a contrast of difference that took place when you and I got born again. There's something changed. Those desires changed. That does not mean that we won't have battles in our life. We talked about this morning that we're going we're to be in the middle of a war. There is warfare. But God gives us what we need to stand in the middle of that warfare. And part of that is understanding that we're not in the flesh, but we're in the spirit. We're in a whole new realm. We're in this realm. To be in the spirit means to now live under the control of the spirit. To live under the guidance of the spirit. And to follow the directions of the Holy Spirit. If you're born again, if you're genuinely saved, 
There is not a time in your life when you do what you know is wrong, but you do it anyway, that when that is done and when that is completed, that immediately the Spirit of God said, "Uh uh-uh, you shouldn't have done that. That's one of the things that as a child of God gives us assurance that we are in the Spirit. As the Spirit of God tells us, it's not just that we learn from mom and daddy that this was wrong or that was wrong or, or doing this was wrong. It's not that, but it is, those, it is those little things that the Spirit of God said, why did you say that? Why did you do that? Why did you react that way? The Holy Spirit of God directs us and, and gives us that direction. There are only two realms in which a person can be in. And Paul draws that out in this passage of Scripture. Every person on the face of this earth is in one realm or the other. They're either in a fleshly realm or they're in a spiritual realm. To to bring it around to what we've been studying and what we've been looking at for, for over a year now, you're either in Adam or you're in Christ. There is no middle ground. You don't have one foot in Adam and one foot in Christ. That doesn't happen. It, it, that can't happen. You're either in Adam or you're in Christ. You're either operating and, and living in the realm of the flesh or you're living in the realm of the Spirit. There is no wonder that Paul says, grieve not the Spirit of God. Why? Because you and I that are the children of God are in the spiritual realm. We're in the spirit of the realm, in the realm of the Spirit of God in our lives. And therefore, we should not do anything that would grieve the Spirit of God. But we should do those things that the Spirit of God directs us to do. These are two distinct categories. The realm of the flesh, the realm of the spirit. They're two distinct categories. They are polar opposites. There's not a place where they co-mingle. There's not a place where where there is one crosses over into the other. They're, They're polar opposites. You're either walking after the flesh, you're either doing as, like Brother Charles said this morning and then mentioned again tonight, that you are allowing yourself, those that are in the world, those who do not know the Lord Jesus Christ, make themselves a God and therefore set themselves up as sovereign in the place of God. A child of God will not do that. He cannot do that because he's living in the realm of the Spirit. Does that mean we're always in everything, always pleasing God? No. Because we still have the appetites of this flesh. But we are living in the realm of the Spirit. When you're born again, we are transferred into the realm of the Spirit. We're taken out of the realm of this world. We once lived in the world going according to our sinful course of this world, but now we've been transformed. We've been changed. We've been taken out of the world 
and we've been set in Christ, our problem is, is we've not taken the world out of us. We've been taken out of the world. We've been, we've been placed in the realm of the Spirit, but so much of the time we allow some of those things to tag along with us. We're still in the world, but we are not of the world any longer. That's what Christ said about us. We're in the world, but we're not of the world. We are in the Spirit. We have a totally new position. And here's what we've got to understand. This is not a this is not a maybe so, it's not a hope so, it's not it's not something that happened to some but don't happen to others. It is a matter of a fact that when we've been when we've been born again, we were taken out of the fleshly realm and placed into the spiritual realm. It does not have any conditions. God did it. When we, when we received the Lord Jesus Christ as our own personal Savior, God took us out of that fleshly realm and placed us in that spiritual realm. It was not, there, there's no conditions to it. There's, there's nothing added to salvation that you've got to reach in order to be in the spiritual realm. You and I may, may recognize where we are to a greater extent than some others. Or some others may recognize where they are to a greater extent than we do. But it does not change the fact that each of us was taken out of the flesh and placed in the spirit. You have been placed in a new kingdom in the Lord Jesus Christ. Now I want us to consider this. Not only is there a new position, but there is also a new possession. A new possession. Look again at verse number 9. But ye are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit. And if so be that the Spirit of God dwell in you, now... If any man have not the Spirit of Christ, he is none of his. The second thing we want to consider in verse number 9 is that Paul writes, If so be that the Spirit of God dwell in you. You and I were given a new position. We were taken out of the realm of the flesh and we were placed into the realm of the Spirit. But we also have a new possession The Bible tells us here in the latter part or the second part of verse number 9, but in the Spirit, if so be that the Spirit of God dwell in you. You possess the Spirit of God. The Spirit of God has moved in in our lives. Not only are we now in the Spirit, but the Spirit is in us. You and I are placed in Christ and Christ is in us. You and I were placed in the Spirit and the Spirit is in us. In in doing so, we are now living in the realm of the Spirit and the Spirit lives within us. Where he's talking about here and where he mentions, if so be that the Spirit of God dwell in you. 
where he says if, where he mentions if, could also have been translated sins. You could almost read it this way. Since the Spirit of God dwell in you. Paul is trying to tell us that something took place. Something happened. You and I were were placed somewhere and the Holy Spirit of God was placed in us. The Bible tells us in verse number 9, if so be that the Spirit of God, what? Dwell in you. That word dwell means to make one's home in something. To live in a place of. To have a residence of. Or to occupy something. The Spirit of God has now moved into us and will never leave us. That is the reason you can't lose your salvation. If it were possible to lose my salvation, I would have never gained my salvation. The salvation was given to me by the grace of God. It was afforded to me by the faith of God. It was brought to me by the Son of God. And because of that product in my life, it is not something I can lose. And it's not something I can lose because the Holy Spirit of God moved in me. When I got born again, the Holy Spirit of God took up His residence in me. And and I cannot evict Him. Nor do I want to evict Him. But you can't. It is impossible for us. Is there anything that you can make God do? The Spirit of God is the third person of the Trinity. God is living in you. Now can you make God move out? I don't think so. You and I cannot remove the Spirit of God. Nor do we want to remove the Spirit of God. The Spirit of God now moved in us and will never leave us. He has moved in and taken over the new as a new dominant force in our life. That's the reason Paul instructs us to walk in the Spirit and not walk after the flesh. The Apostle Paul writes, And because ye are the sons, God hath set forth his, the Spirit of His Son into the hearts, crying, Abba, Father. Galatians chapter 4 and verse number 6. We are sons because we are born again and we're born into the family of God. When we are birthed into the family of God, the Spirit of God came into our hearts. And that is the reason we can cry, Abba, Father. The, the term Abba is an intimate term. We talked about this even last week when we were looking at what we've gained by being reconciled. We've gained that, that acceptance with God. And not only that acceptance, but we are family. God has made us family. The Spirit of God has set us free from the law of sin and of death. 
He told us that back in verse number 2 of this same chapter. He said, For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus hath made us free from the law of sin and death. The Spirit of God has set us apart from that, has taken us away from that. The Spirit of God, in in this same chapter, verse 5 and verse 6, the Spirit of God has set our mind on the things of the Spirit. We did mind, before we got saved, we did mind the things of the flesh. But now the Spirit of God has set our mind on the things of the Spirit. In verse number 14, we're not going to get into it tonight, but in verse number 14, it is the Spirit of God who is leading us away from sin and into godliness. In verse number 16, the Spirit of God is testifying with our spirit that we are the children of God. It is the Spirit of God. The possession, that new, we have been given a new position taken out of that realm of flesh, placed in that realm of the Spirit, but we've been given a new possession, we've been given the Holy Spirit of God in our lives. He did not simply move into our lives to take away from us. And this is what most people, this is the only part most people get. That the Spirit of God moved in to take all of this stuff away from us. No, more importantly, the Spirit of God moved in us to give us some things. To give us that guidance. He moved in not only to, not not to just to take away, but He came in in order to give us that that we need in order to live this Christian life. He has come to take over. He... He wants to live this life through us. He wants to make himself evident through us. He took this all took place at the new birth. It's already happened. If you're saved, it's already taken place. We the, the main thing, just like I mentioned this morning, the main thing is we just need to realize it. We just need to allow that to be put forth in our life and 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 just like I said this morning in that we can rest not only have we been given a new position not only have we been given a new possession but in verse number 10 we've been given a new power in verse number 10 the bible said and if christ be in you the body is dead because of sin but the spirit of god is life Because of righteousness. Note as we've walked down through this passage of scripture. Note the inner. The the interchangeability. Of the Holy Spirit of God. And Christ. As they're used. In the previous verse. Paul says the spirit is in us. Now he says that Christ is in us. Why does he do that? Because Christ is. And the Holy Spirit are part of that trinity. They're interchangeable. To have the Spirit is to have all that Christ is within us. In reality, Jesus is 
in a glorified body seated by the right hand of God the Father. But Christ indwells us through His Spirit. Admittedly, as we look at that, it is somewhat of a mystery. And it's hard for us to understand. But that doesn't change the fact that it's truth. We know that Christ is seated on the right hand of the Father, but at the same time, we are indwelt by the Spirit of Christ. What did Christ tell His disciples? He said, I send another comforter. One and the same. That's going to indwell us. He told them to stay where they were until they were endued with power. By the indwelling of the Holy Spirit of God. God moved in us. There are two things in light of this that we need to understand. We need to understand that physical death. The body refers to the physical body. Our physical body has not yet been terminated. Nor has it been redeemed. As we live our Christian life, the human spirit within us has been made alive in the new birth. We've been made alive in the new birth. The new birth is the life of God in the souls of men. That's what our being born again is. It's God living through us. But the oxymoron is that we have the spirit that has been made alive to God inside of the physical body that is dying. If, if, we, could, if we could grasp this, you and I had a body that was dying. Before we got saved, before we got born again, our spirit was dead and our flesh was alive but once we got born again the spirit the the flesh was put to death that fleshly realm was put to death and the spirit of God is alive when you and I were born in Adam when we were born on this world we were born beginning to decay and die when the Spirit of God moves in us, we just began to live. And he is, he is living in us and through us and maturing us and we're growing closer to God. We, we, we have at the new birth, where, where at that physical birth, we were born set for death. The Bible said it is appointed unto man once to die. You and I have an appointment. There is a time that God knows that this body is going to give up. It's going to be done. If God does not come back, you and I that are here are going to die. It's inevitable. Something that is going to happen to every person on the face of this earth is they're going to die. You and I were born into life in order to die. At the new birth, 
we were born to live throughout all eternity. The Christian will still die in this body just like unbelievers will. We will not escape that death unless the Lord comes back during our lifetime. But our outer man is perishing and the inner man is renewed day by day is what the Bible tells us. There is a sense in which the outside... On the outside, we're growing older and decaying more. But on the inside, we are alive and becoming more and more like Christ every day. The matter of the physical death, but not only that, but the matter of what Paul's talking about here, the the spiritual life. It said, but the Spirit is alive because of righteousness. The new birth, our spirit was made alive. We were spiritually dead in our trespasses and sins and God acted upon us spiritually and brought us to life, resurrected us, made us alive in the Spirit and we're walking in the newness of life. We've been given the Spirit of God. Jesus is the one who accomplished this. He's the one who achieved this on the cross of Calvary. Not only have we been given a new position, not only have we been given a new possession, not only have we been given new power, and that power is in the Holy Spirit of God, but look in verse number 11, we have been given a new prospect. We've been given a new prospect. The Bible said, but if the Spirit of Him that raised up Jesus from the dead dwell in you, He that raised up Christ from the dead shall also quicken your mortal bodies by His Spirit that dwelleth in you. We have a new prospect, which means that you and I have a new future. It said, but if the Spirit of Him who raised up Jesus from the dead dwell in you, He who raised up Christ from the dead shall also quicken what? Your mortal bodies by His Spirit that dwelleth in you. Him refers to God the Father. We established in verse number 9 that the Spirit of God dwells in the believer. Notice, He is the Spirit of God The Father in verse number 11. He's the Spirit of Christ in verse number 9. I've already mentioned these things are so interchangeable. God's allowing us to see the the triune God and, and, and how that they are working together. It's interesting how interchangeable each of the person of the Trinity is. But do not mistake this. Be careful not to mistake. This is not modalism. Which means the doctrine that the persons of the Trinity represent only three modes or aspect of the divine revelation. Not distinct and coexisting persons in the divine nature. There are those that would tell you that the persons of the Trinity only present or only 
only represent three modes or three aspects. But when we look at it, we need to understand that the three persons of the Godhead, although they be one, although it is one God, they are distinct and coexisting persons in divine nature. They, they, are, they are, although they are one, they are three separate. They have their three positions. They have their three places. There are three persons within the Trinity. This verse points the reality of the Trinity as we look at and understand as we walk down through here and how they're referred to in different modes and different fashions. The Spirit of God indwells us and will never leave us even when we go to heaven at the end of this life. The Spirit of God will be with us. He will not leave us. The, God does not make a promise and then go back on His promise. You and I have been promised that the Spirit of God is indwelling us that the Spirit of God will not leave us. He will not leave us even after we've laid down this fleshly body. He will, he will usher us into heaven. He will be there with us through the remainder of eternity in heaven. The Spirit's ministry, the Spirit's working will continue even after you and I go to heaven. He is the one who will resurrect our body. When our body is laid in the grave, the Spirit of God will raise up that body again and we'll be joined back together. It is the Spirit of God. If we consider all of these things that we've looked at in this passage of Scripture, remember that each of these characteristics is an accomplished reality for every believer. What am I talking about? I'm talking about that new position. That new possession. That new power. That new prospect. This is, this, this is not us starting in kindergarten and us finally graduating one day when we get through the 12th grade. That's not what happens with the believer. We, we don't get a new position and have to wait down the road till we graduate from, from primary school to get a new position. We get all of these things on the day that we were born again. They were given to us. They were, they were the characteristics that were accomplished as a reality in every born again child of God. Every person. I want you to consider three things that are a result or outcomes or four things that are the outcomes of what we've looked at and what we've discussed in this Scripture. First of all, I want us to understand that we have a recognition. We have recognition. You must recognize that if you are a believer, these real life actual facts have happened in your life 
It's already taken place in your life. You already have a new position, a new possession, a new power. You already have these things, a new prospect. Second of all, I want us to consider, I want us to consider examination. You must examine yourselves to see if this has happened in your life. Is one thing it's one thing to go to church. It's one thing to be religious, but it's something entirely different to have all of these things have transpired in your life. Those who go to church, those who are religious, if they don't have the reality of what we see in this Scripture, it will not last. It can't. Because the flesh cannot maintain this. The Spirit of God maintains this. Understand as we consider this, the Spirit of God takes over in your life and leads you to put to death the deeds of the flesh. Are you still where you were the day you got saved? If you've been saved for any length of time, if you're still where you were when you got saved, something is wrong. And therefore we must examine. Do you see these things happening in your life? Do you see these things taking place in your life? Not just saying, I prayed a prayer. Not just saying, I went to an altar. Not just saying, I did this or I did that. But having God change something in your life. That's what Paul was talking about. Not only is there a recognition, not only is there an examination, but also we need to consider a confirmation. As you see these things taking place in your life, you... Should, be, should have a confirmation inside of you that you're one of His. It should confirm to you. When you see these things happening, when you see these things taking place, when you see what Paul's talking about here and this, this, this new position, this new possession, this new power, this new prospect is being made evident in your life and you see these things in your life, it is a confirmation that I'm one of His. And He's mine. Not only that, consider this. Consider fourthly this evening, consider mortification. The Bible instructs us that we are to mortify the deeds of the body. In fact, He tells us in verse number 13, For if you live after the flesh, ye shall die. But if... Ye through the Spirit do mortify the deeds of the body, ye shall live. Paul's not telling us that we have to do these things in order to live. He's telling us if we're living, we will do these things. He's saying these things will be evident. The mortification, we bear human responsibility to work in partnership with the Holy Spirit of God To be putting to death the deeds of the body. The deeds of the body. The the battles of the mind that you and I have. It is both the Spirit of God working in us 
to do this and also it is our us actively working to put to death those deeds of the body. God has us working alongside of the Holy Spirit of God. That is the reason that is the reason we are not bound by the flesh. Because the Holy Spirit of God is there. But the Holy Spirit of God at the same time expects us to pick up some things and do some things. As our children grow up, when our children are, are, are small and we hold them and we cradle them in our hands, we, we began to start instructing them in some things, but we do not expect something from the one that you're coddling in your, in your arms the same as you expect from that 18 or 19 or 20 year old that you have as a child. Why? Because there's that spiritual growth that's taking place. Or that, that physical growth. But in our lives it's the same way. The spiritual growth that happens in our life. The Lord expects us to lay aside some things. And when we don't have the strength to do it, ask. He'll be glad to. If you'll just ask. Sin is still a part of our lives because we are still in this body of sin. But we are not bound to sin. You and I still live in a fleshly body that still has appetites of sin. But we are not bound by that sin. There is no, the devil made me do it. There is no, I cannot help myself. You and I, giving ourselves over to the Spirit of God, have the power within us. Not that we are powerful, but we have the power within us to resist any sin that may come about. Understand the Spirit of God within us is far more powerful than any sin in this life. The Spirit of God is more powerful. He is omnipotent. That means He is all-powerful. Whatever temptation we may wrestle with, the Spirit of God is more powerful to help us overcome and help us set those things aside than that sin ever will be. Sin hath no more dominion over us. And Paul's telling us this, and he's instructing us this, by letting us examine ourselves in these three verses and asking us, basically asking us the question, do you belong to God? He's saying if you do, this is what it's going to look like. This is, this is what you gained and this is what it's going to look like if you reside in Christ and Christ resides in you. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you for this passage of Scripture. We thank you for the truths that we find.